It is so good to have you here, and I am so thankful that God is good regardless. I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, and I look down, and this shoe is untied, and this is going to drive me crazy. So if you're watching online, we're just keeping it real here today. I'm going to tie that, or I don't want, you know, having any work-related injuries here this morning. Um, Man, I just want to celebrate something. I love being able to celebrate what God is doing. And uh, man, so many of you were part of what we call uh, Christmas Gifts for Christ. Uh, We were able to write a check to Broken Arrow Bible Ranch for $50,000 this past week. And so thank you guys for building a nursing uh, nurses station for them. I love what God has been up to. And, and I, I believe that God is at work here. I believe that. In fact, you know what I love? I love walking in here and knowing that if you show up late, you're gonna have trouble finding a seat. I'm just telling you, man, that is great. So if you're watching online, you're like, hey, we wanna find out a little bit more about grace. Here's what I wanna encourage you to do. Maybe come to the 8.30 service or 11.30 service. You come to the 10 o'clock service, you're gonna be sitting up here by me. I love it because like people normally sit in the back. They're like in my grill today and I love it, man. This is great. But no, God has been at work. And, and last week, I introduced us in this, this uh, our new series called uh, Just Getting Started because I believe that it's true. And you know, last night, Lori and I were talking a little bit about some of the crazy things that have, that have happened uh, th- this week. And uh, I thought it then, and I'm just going to say it now. It's hard to believe I've been here over 10 years as pastor at Grace. But, but you know, I, I love the fact that, that God didn't call me here to just uh, celebrate the good times. God has given me the painful privilege of walking as, as the pastor here, even through painful times. And can I tell you that it just hit me again last night. I am so blessed to, to pastor here at Grace. And I know that every one of our staff members could say that. And, and, and I, I just, I want you to know how much I appreciate, man, this congregation, the, the love and the support that we've even seen towards our staff in, in recent weeks and months. Um, and we, we've, we've walked through some crazy stuff, but we've walked through them together. And, and if you're new to Grace and you're like, man, what, what is Grace about? Next Sunday, we're, I'm going to be teaching our first, what we call our next steps class, four o'clock Sunday afternoons. We just talk about what we're about, what we believe, and that sort of thing. And I hope you'll join us. But if nothing else, just look around at the person next to you. You're sitting by a rock star today. I'm just telling you, man, we got some great people here today. And, and I'm excited about what God's been up to. And you know, last, last week I told you, if, if you were here, I had to cut my message in, in half because there was no way I was going to get through it. And, and so we were looking at Acts chapter 1. We're going to be there again this, this morning. But, but one thing that just buoys me, that, that, that excites me, that keeps us moving forward is the promise that we see in Acts chapter 1 verse 11, where Jesus, he's ascended back to heaven. There, there are two, we're assuming they're angels that speak to the disciples. They're looking up like, what are you staring at? And like, well, he just went into the, the, the sky. And, and, and it's like, well, don't you that he's coming the same way that he went up. And I hold on to this church. Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ is coming again. And that excites me because what we see is not the end. Jesus gets the last word. And that's big to a person. I like to have the last word. Like that was the thing that always got me in trouble as a kid. I just had to have the last word. And that warmed my butt a few times. I'm just telling you right now. And what I love is Jesus gets 
the final word. He gets the final word over COVID. Jesus gets the final word over sin. Jesus gets the final word over death. Jesus gets the final word over political unrest. Can I tell you, Jesus gets the final word. And Jesus is coming again, but until then, he's given us a mission. And we introduced that last week, and it's a very simple mission. He's called us to be the church. And Jesus gave us this great confidence. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, which is great because the gates of a city are the last defense before the city falls. And many people have misinterpreted that verse. They thought Jesus was saying, hell will not prevail against you. No, he's saying hell is not going to be able to withstand what the church is going to be doing thanks to what Christ has called us to and what he's doing in us and through us. And so we looked at our mission. We, well, we've, our identity, we are the church, but we also talked about the fact we've been, we've been given a mission to simply be witnesses for Christ. Now, I want to talk about that because, first of all, let me just ask, how many of you have ever been in a courtroom before? Let me see your hands. Like, I'm not going to ask you what you were there for, right? So we're not going down that road. But you know that there's some very important people in the room. There's a judge, like you definitely are interested in what the judge has to say. Maybe if you've been there, the jury, that matters. But one of the most important persons in the room is a witness, a witness. Um, that They're going to testify to what they've seen, to what they've heard. Now, I got to say something, man. I, my staff has been, they've been making some fun of me. And I, man, I just want you to pray for them. They just, they've been making fun. Actually, some of you have been making fun of me because I've mentioned a couple times that I've made it my personal quest to make it through every single episode of Law and Order. I've been on this quest for about 20 years. I'm just telling you, it's going to take forever. But here's what I've learned. I've learned that Law and Order is the legal version of a Hallmark Christmas movie. And here's what I mean by that. Like, like, like you can watch a Hallmark Christmas movie and within seven minutes figure out that guy's Santa Claus, this person is, is the person that's the bad guy, this is the one that she's in love with, doesn't know, he doesn't know, he's in love. You know how the story's gonna go, right? Law and Order's the same way. There's like seven primary storylines. And, and so like every few episodes, a recurring theme that shows up is the reluctant witness. And it's the witness that the, that the prosecuting attorney, they, they have to convince them to testify, but even though they've seen something, they know something that would, would probably put away the bad guy, they're reluctant to share. Maybe it's because of fear of retribution. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just, you know, they, they, they're afraid they're gonna incriminate themselves or insecurity, whatever. There's this whole recurring theme of the reluctant witness. And it was funny because as I was talking about, or as I was thinking about this week in preparation that we've been called to be a witness, I, I thought about, and by the way, no shame in what I'm getting ready to say, but I, I think that there have been times we've been reluctant witnesses. And, and I, when I say there's no shame, I, I mean in the sense like I'm not like pointing at you. I, I think I've, I've been there too, where we're like, man, I, I want to make a difference. And I'm convinced that every follower of Jesus Christ genuinely wants to make a difference. They want to make a difference for Christ. They want other people to experience the transformation that they've experienced. It matters. And, and, and so, so I, I think we, we just sometimes we don't know how to do this or, man, we're gonna, I'm going to mess something up. And so, you know, it's like, man, I, I want to be a witness, but I want to be a witness, but I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that, man, I don't want to give any glory to Satan, man, if people knew who I was. Or maybe it's, I, I, I want to be a witness, but I, I, man, I'm afraid people like, don't want to be around me because who I was before Jesus was not a good person. Whatever the case, I think... We, 
whatever the case happens to be, I'm going to screw it up. You know, like I'm going to mess it up so bad. People are like, I hate Jesus. I'm going to hell. I, like, I don't know what it is that we're afraid. But I think it's a lot of the same things as fear, insecurity, maybe fear of self-incrimination. But we, we have this desire, but there, sometimes we're reluctant. There's a, there's a hesitation there. And I want to address that. In fact, what I want to do this morning is I want to get rid of the big butts. And hold on a second. There, there's, there are times that you say things, and but, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I want to get rid of, I want to. <laughs> anyway, um, what, I, what, what I want to do this morning is I want us to get rid of the excuses. There we go. I want to get rid of the excuses. I, I want to be a witness, but. And I want to do this by, by looking again at, at Acts 1.8. We've been, we've been looking at Acts 1.8. And then here's, here's what Jesus said before. We, we, we hit this partially last week. We're going to pick it up. Here's what he said before he left, Acts 1.8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, what, what, what I want to break down, uh, you know, I got I to play, play pro, uh, professor here this morning. So I'm, I'm going to do some teaching and then I'm going to get to preaching, right? Like we're, we're going to do both this morning. Okay, so, so first of all, I want us to look at the promise. You will receive power. I love that promise. You like that promise? I like that promise. You will receive power. It's followed by the condition. It's not just like, hey, you're going to like magically receive power. No, there's a condition. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, so we have the promise, we have the condition, and then we have the result, then you will be my witnesses. And for our purposes, wherever you are, wherever you go, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Nampa, Caldwell, wherever, where, wherever you are, you will be my witnesses. But here's the thing I want you to understand. We're going we're to focus on this. I want us to focus on the condition. I want us to focus on the condition this morning. When you receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so, so if you're taking notes, you can write down my big point. It's very simple. The Holy Spirit is the game changer. Okay? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the game changer when it comes to, to being witnesses. Reluctant, like I'm going to screw this up. God's like, yep, you probably will if it's just you and your own strength. Well, man, I'm going to do that. Oh, man, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Listen, all of our excuses might have some validity to it. But what I love is the condition is not dependent upon you and I. It's when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. The Holy Spirit is the game changer. Now, if you've ever coached, you know the importance of a game changer. Like, I've coached youth sports. And like, you know, when you're coaching like 10-year-olds football, one player can make a huge difference, right? Like, I mean, one you, you get a kid that, that is like, he's the same age, but he's like seven inches taller and he weighs like 500 pounds and like every, your coaches give him the ball every time and he scores every time. It's like, yeah, he, he's literally carrying the team on his back. Actually, he's carrying both teams on his back. Like, they can't pull him down. Normally, I was always coaching against that kid. One year though, one year we had that kid on our team. And dude, I'm going to tell you why. Well, like before the season ever started, we're practicing and, and the coaches were like, dude, there's something different. It wasn't just that he was a freak athlete, which he was a great athlete. 
It was that, dude, the guy was able to keep his mind in the game at 10 years old. If you know, if you coach you sports, I mean, kids are thinking about, you know, getting a slushy after the game or the butterfly. I mean, the kid kept his head in the game. Not only that, he showed up to practice, ready to practice. He did everything you asked him to do. And he would, oh, like we would say, we want you to run two laps. He would always run an extra lap. Dude, we are like, what is, this guy's a freak. And sure enough, man, we got in the season. Every time he touched the ball, he either scored or did some serious damage. Now, we did not hand it off all the time because I, I wanted other kids to grow as well because I hate being on the other side of that. But I will tell you, I ain't gonna lie, game got close, I gave him the ball because he was a game changer. In fact, the kid set several state records. He plays for Boise State now, and I take credit for every single one of those accomplishments. <laughs> Listen, a game changer, it literally, it, it changes the whole culture. It changes everything. It, it, it changes the potential. The Holy Spirit is a game changer. Now, what we have to do first is just do this. We, we have to acknowledge that we're needy. We have to acknowledge that there's something missing. We have to acknowledge that in our own strength, we cannot do what needs to be done. And you're like, well, man, I don't like to acknowledge that. Well, here's the deal. You, you got to start there. It starts with the acknowledgement that, yeah, I'm probably going to screw something up. That, that, I'm, I'm, man, I know that I'm a child of God. I know, that, I, I know that God is doing something in me, but the, man, there's just something missing. Like, I'm, I'm not like this superhero. And I think a lot of times, you know, you, <laughs> we're saved and then God begins to work and we're fired up. This is awesome. Nothing's going to hold me back. Well, then you, your wife finds out. I mean, you guys get into it or whatever and you're like, okay, so there are struggles. We go through junk. Here's the deal. We have to admit that we're needy, that we need, actually, let me say this. We don't need something. We need someone. And so real quick, before, before I, I break this down, and I'm going to just tell you right now, like you type A, I got to write down every note. You're going to be stressing out because I'm not getting to the rest of the sermon guide till, towards the end. So like, you're like, just chill. Like, like literally lay down your hand. Like, I mean, if you got to bounce your knee or whatever, do that. But listen, just hang with me, okay? So I got, I got to teach you a little bit. Let's talk about who the Holy Spirit is first. We talked about last, last week, it's important for us to know who we are as, as disciples of Christ. We, we, it's important to know what we're to do. We, talk, we hit that. I think it's important that we know who the Holy Spirit is. It's important that we know what the Holy Spirit does. First of all, let's talk about who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit, first and foremost, is God. Okay? So scripture reveals that the Lord, that we, we have one God. Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema. The Lord... The Lord our God, he is one. Now, here's where it gets confusing. I'm not gonna preach a sermon today. This isn't about the Trinity. But what we see is the scripture also reveals that there are three persons who make up this oneness. There's God the Father, God the Son, Jesus. We just talked about that in our Christmas series, John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God, Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit. There's this, this three-in-oneness that we see in, in, in Scripture. Now, when I, when I, when I talk about, when I talk about uh, him being God, he, the Holy Spirit is referred to as God in several places. In fact, if you flip over to Acts chapter 5, for example, Ananias, Sapphira, whole story there. They're lying about 
what they, were, what they had sold and they were giving and they were lying about what they were giving. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna preach that message. But the point was, Peter said, the first time he said, you have lied to God. And, and then he comes back and, and repeats it. Except he just interchanged, you, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Um, Paul, if you go to, I'll give you another example. Like in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, um, Paul says that we, our bodies, we are the temples of God. God doesn't dwell in a temple made with hands. He dwells in us. He says, you are the temples of God. Later, he's, he comes back to repeat that, but this time, he says, you are the temples of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6. So, so scripture reveals that, that the Holy Spirit, first of all, is God, okay? So the second thing that's important is that we understand that, that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a force. He's not... Like he's not the Christian, Christianity's version of, of magic or voodoo or, uh, you know, whatever, Star Wars, the force, you know, force. It's, it's nothing like that, right? The, the Holy Spirit is a person. When you see the Spirit referred to both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a capitalization. He has a proper name. We, what we see is all of the... Uh, the, the uh, what they call the philosophical attributes that make up a person are found in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit has a personality. He feels, he thinks, he does, he teaches. And, and, and so we have to wrap our minds around it. For, for instance, uh, Acts uh, 15, in Acts 15, they had the first cancel, they're trying to figure out what the Gentiles are supposed to do, what, what's the, really, really they're trying to figure out, it's like, you know, they have to do everything that we do. And, and so at the end, uh, James, the, the leader of the, of the church in Jerusalem, writes a letter, sends it with Paul uh, and, and other disciples to these Gentile believers. And, it's, and it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They, they attribute to him all the rights of a, of a person. So it's very important. The Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit's not a force or some mystical thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, so, so, so where do we go with that? That's, that's who he is. Okay, so I, I got to do some teaching so I can get to the preaching part. Let's, let's, let's talk about what the Holy Spirit does. And I want to, I wanna, if I had a remote, I would like pause real quick. So I'm going to pause the message. And I just want to say this. If you're a new believer, like you've just recently started following Jesus, like you, you've experienced salvation, man, you have been saved from your sins. I want you to listen up because what I'm getting ready to share, like I, I'm not going to give you all of the information, but this is a great place to start. And it's not going to show up on the screen, but you can write some of these, these things down. This is really, really important. I'm gonna, going to, to do, okay? So th this helps. So let me hit play again. Okay, so here we go. Holy Spirit, what does, what does he do? First of all, the Holy Spirit alone brings new life to believers, Read John chapter three. And so like if you're a new believer, write down John three and, and you're gonna see this, this interaction that's happening between Jesus and actually he's a, he's a Jewish uh, teacher. Like he knows the law, but he's, he's struggling. How, how does this new life happen, being born again and all of that? And, and, and Jesus clearly breaks down the spirit's role. It's the spirit alone that brings new life. And so here's the deal. Today, if, if you and I have been brought, as, as Paul put in Ephesians chapter two, we have been raised from death to life. That is no accident. You didn't choose to do that because dead people can't make choices. The Holy Spirit alone brought us to life. Make sense? 
Okay, so that's not all, though. That's, that's awesome, but it doesn't stop there. Jesus teaches, and if, if you're a new believer, again, write down John 14 through 16. You're going to do some studying. This is awesome. John 14 through 16. Jesus teaches us quite a bit about the Holy Spirit. So much so, Jesus said, he said, it's actually good for you that I go away. So he's telling his disciples this. They're like, are you kidding me? That's not good. Yes, it is. Because he said, when I go away, I'm sending another to you, the Holy Spirit, and he is going to be with you. And he took it a step further. He said, he is going to dwell in you. The Holy Spirit dwells in the believer. And you're like, okay, this is getting weird. Okay, you, listen, I told you, I can't break all of this down. We're gonna be hitting this later. But just understand that there is no place that you ever go that God is not with you. While we sing today, God with us, that is biblically supported. It's all through scripture. But the, but the means by which God is with us, we literally have the spirit of Christ who is abiding in us. He is with us. In fact, he's, he's called several different things. He's called, he's called our seal. He's called our teacher. What Jesus said uh, in, in John 14 through 16, it says that he, he will guide us into truth. What we see is the Holy Spirit will illuminate. Paul later writes that the Holy Spirit, is, it's give, he's given to us to dwell with us. It's like a, it's like a deposit, if you will. It's a, it's, he uses a financial term to describe this. It's like when you pay your earnest money, and like if you've paid your earnest money, like if you back out of the deal, earnest money still, still goes. It's, it's the same thing. He is our deposit. It's God. God has given us the Holy Spirit as this assurance that what I've started, I'm going to finish. Dude, that is stinking awesome. That, I mean, that is awesome. So this is good. But, but it doesn't stop there. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says that, there, that not only does he, he do these things, he says that the, the Holy Spirit actually prays for us. There are times when you feel like you are praying, that you are praying by yourself. There is never a time that you are praying alone. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us, especially, it says, when literally we can't even articulate words, when all we can do is groan. This is crazy. This is, this is what the Spirit does. The Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out. This, this work of transformation, of, of what we call sanctification, it's the process by which we become more and more like Christ in real life. It's the process by which we become who God already declared us to be. He has called you and I holy. And you're like, dude, do you know me? Yeah, exactly, right? We're not, but, but God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, from the inside out, begins to transform us. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He is transforming us, making us someone who we naturally aren't. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. So this is who the Holy Spirit is. This is what the Holy Spirit does. But there's something else that he does. The Holy Spirit empowers. He, he not only abides with us, there are times that, the whole, that, that Scripture reveals the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And it's interesting because this doesn't just happen in the New Testament, though there are more accounts of this in the New Testament than the Old. But even in the Old Testament, if you look at the guy, Bezalel, that, that, that built the tabernacle for Moses, it literally says that the Spirit came upon him and allowed him to put plans together, allowed him to accomplish what needed to be done. There are other times that it talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon the prophets. The, the, the Old Testament prophets, when God came upon them, a word came from the Lord. It came by the Spirit. In the New Testament, we read that all of Scripture is God-breathed. It's literally, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. They, the writers wrote as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Okay, so this is really important. So, so the Holy Spirit empowers. Now, when we, when we talk about this, there's this, there's this uh, verse in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. In Ephesians 5, 18, he, he says, man, I don't want you to be under the influence of alcohol. It's like, well, he didn't say marijuana. Dude, what'd he say? Like, don't be under the influence of anything else. Be under the influence, he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the word that he, the, this Greek word, peruste, that's used for be filled, it, it's, it's actually in this tense that means be filled today, and then you're going to be need, you're going to need to be continually filled on down the road. It's not just a filling that is once for all time and it's all done. No, there is, there is this continual need to be filled. And, and, and so this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Good stinking grief times got away from me. I'm fired up and I got like, just feel, okay, hold on. Like, you're like, see, I told you so. Should have given me those points earlier. I'm telling you, I should have done it. Now listen, one of the most amazing truths in all of scripture is this, that the, that the Spirit of Christ, because that's who the Holy Spirit is, it's the Spirit of Christ living in us. It's literally as Christ is living and working through his people. He has not just called us and given us a mission to be his witnesses. He is giving us and will give at different times the power to do this. This is why we're eliminating the buts. This is why we're getting rid of the excuses. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, that's the condition. The, the, the promise, you'll receive power. It's the condition that matters. Now, now here's what I've learned. And I'm going to bring this to a close, but, but you got to hang with me because we're going to keep on this next week. I've learned I'm not just the, the lead pastor here. I am the chief reminding officer. I'm the CRO here. i got to keep on coming back and keep on coming back. And so I'm going to come back to things that I've hit before, but it's really important. I, we cannot miss this. The, the power that we're seeing here, the power of this promise in Acts, the power of, of, of being, the, being part of the church, Jesus is building his church, the gates of hell will not prevail. The power of this, man, it, it comes back to a few things we gotta understand. We many times wanna go about our mission without the power. Now there are times that, that for, for instance, if you're a teacher, you have a student, it was probably like me, that you start to give them the instruction, they hear the first like three words of the instruction, like, yeah, 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 I got this, I got this. And they just, they don't listen to the rest. And they start trying to do something before you've even told them how to do it. I'm that way when it comes to putting together grills or anything else. Like, seriously, Ikea stresses me out. Because there's like, to me, most things, it's like, yeah, I can figure this out. I got this. And then you, you end up with a monstrosity that doesn't look anything like what you're supposed to build. And you're like, ah, it'll still work. It doesn't. And so... So the, the issue for us is that we try to go without the power. There, there are a few things I want us to understand. Two points as I close. Number one, I want us to look at who we are without the Holy Spirit. And I want us to look at who we are with the Holy Spirit. The first thing that I, I want to leave you with, and this is where I'm going to let you guys write, get those pins out, let it blaze. Without the Holy Spirit, number one, you will not experience transformation. You won't. You will not experience transformation. And, and, and many of you know that frustration. You're trying to do all the right things. You're trying to do all these good things. And, and can I tell you that under the, the influence of the Holy Spirit, they're great things. There's nothing wrong. But, but if it's just you and your own strength, you are going to wear yourself out. Some of you, some of you are living for Jesus, but you don't enjoy living for Jesus. And it's because you're trying to do it in your own strength. 
God never asked you to, to walk in your strength. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Can I tell you that when we're walking the Spirit, that's when we have assurance. It's when we're doing, because when it's just me, I'm looking at my failures, I don't have assurance because I screw up. Without the Holy Spirit, I will not be transformed. Without the Holy Spirit, the church has no mission. We cannot make a difference. And this is the importance. I'm going to come back to Ephesians 5.18. This is the importance of being filled. We've all been filled with different emotions. For instance, you've been filled with joy, with love, like my wedding day. Here comes the bride, starts playing. I saw Lori. You asked me who all was at my wedding. I have no idea who all was at my wedding. I know the Lori was there. Because when she came down, I like, this is amazing. I was filled with joy. I was filled with love. This is my wedding day. This is amazing. I, I, I tell you, I've been filled with pain before. Like my grandma, a big old Buick, ran over my ankle one time. Seriously. And I screamed. She put it in reverse and ran over it again. Two times she ran over my ankle. I was kneeling down. And, and I'm going to tell you right then, all I felt was pain. All I, I, w- I became an ankle. That's all that mattered right now was my ankle. Here, here's the thing. We, we have been trying to live our lives and to accomplish our mission under our own strength. But without the Holy Spirit, guys, there is no way we can make a difference. Without the Holy Spirit, the church has no mission. The mission was preceded by the condition when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The last thing that I, w- I would say, without the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, the future is dreadful. It is. COVID wins. Bad guys win. Death wins. What I, I'm, I'm just telling you, without the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so, I mean, I think there are times we felt this emptiness. You know, we have talents, but there's, there's no touch from God. That, that, there are times that, 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 that we pray, but, but, but there's no power. There are, there are times we serve, but it's not in the power of the Holy Spirit. We know something's missing. We know it's someone who is missing. You see, without the Holy Spirit, this is who we are. But can I tell you as we come to a close that with the Holy Spirit, everything changes because the Holy Spirit is the game changer. With the Holy Spirit, what, what I can tell you, church, is that you can be transformed. With the Holy Spirit, you're not who you used to be. 2 Corinthians 3.18 is true that, that, that you and I can experience the power of the transformation of being transformed from one degree of glory to another. This is the work of the Lord who is spirit. He begins to change us. We are not who we used to be. And I'm going to tell you, that's why I can't wait to launch Celebrate Recovery next Monday. Because that's what we're going to do. You know, I love the title. We're going to celebrate recovery. We're going to celebrate people who have not only been saved and set free from their sins, we're going to celebrate people who are losing excuses. We're literally, through Celebrate Recovery, getting rid of all the excuses we hold on to. I, I would like to change, but I would like to do this, but can I tell you, God makes the difference. He gets rid of the excuses. The Holy Spirit gives us the confidence to say, I can be transformed. But it doesn't end there. With the Holy Spirit, the church has a purpose. The church has a mission. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses. I am building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against me. 
or, or against it. Man, it's like, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Guess what? You don't have to live with hope. Yeah, maybe I'll see it someday. Kind of the same way you approach that trip to Hawaii. Maybe we'll get there someday. You probably won't. We get to see it. The church has a mission. And what we're going to see as we continue through the book of Acts is that, that men who a few, a 50 days prior, 53 days before, were running out of fear. Peter, the guy that denied Christ because he didn't want to be associated with him, is the guy that's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Stand up. We'll see this in Acts chapter 2 and preach a message, just an ordinary guy preaching an extraordinary message because the Holy Spirit's come upon him and nearly 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus. Jesus Christ. Come on. That's awesome. And you're like, well, that was then. Can I tell you that we serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever? God's not done. Listen, the only thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. I've been studying church history. I've been studying what takes place when the Holy Spirit moves. I've been studying revivals. And you know what I've seen? Listen, what we read in Acts 2 was not the last time there was a mighty move of God that transformed a city. We see this through nearly every century, every two, maybe every two or three centuries. There is a mighty move of God that cannot be explained any other way than the Holy Spirit moving and people being available. And instead of trying to play church in their own strengths, allowing the Holy Spirit to move in them and work through them. And he does it. I'm here to tell you, if you're not dead, God's not done. I believe it with every fiber of my being, not because you're that good, but because God's that good. And until Jesus comes back, he has a mission for you and me. And he didn't call us to do this by ourselves. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Oh, come on. With the Holy Spirit, I can be transformed. With the Holy Spirit, the church has a mission. And because of that, with the Holy Spirit, the future is to be anticipated. The Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came. And because the Holy Spirit came, this world has never been the same. And I will tell you, because the Holy Spirit is here, he does such a work in the sons and daughters of God, we're never the same. He gives us hope, he gives us victory, and he gives us a future. In church, as we leave here, it's like, man, okay, what to do? Where, where to go? Huh, huh, what, do I, what do I do next? Well, it's really unsexy what they did next. <laughs> Literally, what they did was they, they had, they, they gathered in a room. We're going to look at this next week. And they, they didn't immediately see it on their timetable. But they started to do two things. Number one, they had a, a business meeting. You're like, are you kidding me? Are, that is the word. They had a business meeting. It's there. It's right there in Acts chapter one. Read the verse of Acts chapter one. And number two, they started to pray. And you know what they found out is what, man, we need to find out. We can't plan a move of God, but we can prepare for one. And you're like, well, what do we do next? Can, can I say, can, first thing we can do, number one, is embrace the fact that the mission is really for us. Okay, so, so it starts there. Let's acknowledge that we have a mission. Number two, let's acknowledge that we are needy. We can't fulfill the mission by ourselves. Number three, let's pray. I'm not into this whole name it and claim it thing where it's like, you know, I believe God's gonna give me that car and I, I'm claiming that car. In fact, I'm gonna drive away. And you just stole a car is what you did. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm gonna, can I tell you this? I believe it, name it and claim it when it comes to the promises of God. I'll, I'll, I will anchor 
I will anchor everything I have in the promises of God. And it's time for us to start anchoring our future to the promises of God. Let's acknowledge that we've been given a mission. Let's declare our neediness. And let's start to pray and see what God's going to do. So it's like, what do we do next? It's pretty simple. Just do those three things. Seriously, church, let's start there. I promise you, we can't put God on our timeline. But what I know is that we serve a God who's still able. And until Jesus comes back, we have a mission. And until Jesus comes back, we have a power that is given to us. There's the promise. You will receive power. There's a condition when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then there's the result. And you will be my witnesses wherever you are, wherever you go. And Father, as we go, I pray that we would grasp this, that we would accept this. And Father, that as we go wherever it is that we're going, some people are going back to Caldwell, some people are going to Melba, some people are going to Star, some people are going to, to Middleton, to Cuna, to, to Boise, wherever we happen to be from, different neighborhoods here in Nip. God, wherever we go. We're not going alone. You are with us. You are for us. But we are going with a mission. And God, we understand, first of all, that we've been given this mission, but we can't do this in our own strength. You would agree with us when we say we can't do this. But Lord, would you get rid of our excuses? Would you, get, would you eliminate any excuse that keeps us from being a reluctant witness? And Father, may we understand that the Holy Spirit is the game changer. And would you transform us? Would you change us? But God, would, you, would your Holy Spirit come upon us? God, we believe that you're not done. We believe that you're just getting started. And God, I can't wait to see what you have in store for us in the days, the weeks, the months ahead. And for what you're going to do, we thank you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. go encourage. God's with you. He's for you. We'll see you next week.